Welcome, diary listeners. This is the Black Box series, our look into real stories that change the names to protect the innocent. Up first in the series is Bella's Black Box, and this is part one of a two-part podcast. Wonderful. Hello, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. This is Amy. Rico's not here right now. He's off running errands. He's not been a part of the podcast a lot lately, Um, but I have a special guest today. It's a very interesting uh, guest because I've, I've kind of wondered about this. This has been a an issue of mine with a, with a, not an issue, but like a thing that I've encountered with a lot of people, because, you know, our stories are, you know, they hit a lot of bumps in the road. And so I met this person, uh, via DM on, uh, the apprenticeship diaries, IG page. And, um, we're going to, uh, change names to protect the innocent, not so innocent. So we're going to stay anonymous and this is just going to be a story. And that's really what this podcast is all about is sharing stories so that people can benefit from someone else's experience and really learn and look out for what to do, not do. So um, without further ado, uh, my guest today, we're um, going to call her Bella <laughs> and i um, Bella, how long have you, uh, first of all, thank you. And hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Having me. Yes. And, and you're in the UK. So that's the only thing that I'm going to leave. Uh, it'll be pretty evident once you start talking. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Bella, uh, took a great effort to, um, meet with me today through time zones and everything. So I really appreciate you. We, I, I made it bumpy, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, how long have you been a professional? Well, actually, this is a funny question because technically I've been um, in the world of tattooing for about seven years now. Oh, wow. My, my apprenticeship, quotation marks, um, was about a year long. And then I worked for another six years in the same tattoo studio that taught me how to do everything that I do. Well, most of the things. but um because of the way that it worked I really don't feel like I've been a professional for the seven years there's been uh some limitations were put in place and I just feel like I don't know the time does not match up yeah like the skills and the knowledge and everything that I could have been learning during that time if you know what I mean but I do but I've seen your art and so it's kind of a (laughs) conflict with how awesome you are (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure sure I'll explain how like I've managed to kind of get out of the situation and like to get to where I am today I suppose Mm -hmm. yeah well I mean I I can concur because when people ask me I had two apprenticeships and um you know one is hard to count because I feel like it was it was really a non-starter it was a lot of learning what not to do and though I was in alignment with tattooing, it's something that's hard for me to, to validate completely and talk about because there are players in it that I'm, you know, I understand their story and where they were coming from, but it, it's, it's hard because a lot went awry. And I, I feel like as, as, you know, I, I don't really know, but like, I, I do feel like it was, um, it was hard to count that time and it was hard to get started and it was hard to you know, the time invested, you know, now looking back, I I think about certain things and attitudes and I'm like, wow, 
that probably could have been maximized a lot better. <laughs> so I understand. I, I understand. Well, what, what made you want to get into this? I guess that's a typical question that we usually ask. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've rehearsed the story of so many clients ask you the same question, yes. you know, I've got like a written paragraph almost. So basically, originally I come from a different country um, and it's a very religious Catholic country. So um, not that my family were particularly religious, but like your nans and your great nans and everything is very much traditional thing to go to church every Sunday and pray before meals and stuff like that. So I was kind of around the whole church religion thing throughout most of my childhood. And because of the way the country is run as well, like tattoos are like bad and taboo and the work of the devil and even the worst thing you can ever imagine. And I suppose a little bit of the kind of like, oh, I need criminals and sailors and that drug addicts get tattooed. So in the back of my head, like all my family members telling me, oh, no, stay away from this, stay away from that. Um, but then at the same time, teaching me to not judge a book by its cover, I was always a little like, hmm, I'm interested. And uh, I was a little bit of a rebellious child. So I kind of ventured into like graffiti kind of things and rock music and stuff like that and eventually when I moved away from home to go to university I started doing all the things my mum didn't want me to do mm-hmm. and I got piercings I dyed my hair and then eventually got my first tattoo and that was the kind of like hang on a minute what's going on here point because in my mind I had it imagine that tattoo artists are like human photocopiers you bring them a thing they do the thing and then you go mm-hmm. but when I brought my thing to my tattoo artist she changed it up a little bit and explained why like to make it you know last a long time and everything and she made it so much better and I was like what what what, what are you doing yeah. you always do that yeah. she's like yeah, yeah like that's just you know how it goes and during the tattoo like I was chatting to her and getting to know like a little bit more about the whole thing and eventually she was like oh yeah sometimes you just draw your own designs and people get them done I was like uh excuse me you're telling me that you create your own art just for yourself and people Mm -hmm. come and get it tattooed on their bodies and carry it forever Mm -hmm. she's like yeah mind blown honestly I was just like what the hell why what why didn't I know about this you know and from that point on I kept researching and the more I found out about what the tattoo world is actually like the more it seemed like the place for me Mm-hmm. So I did my very best to kind of find my way in. Um, this might be a bit of a segue, but um, within that discovery and stuff, how receptive has your family been? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it took them a while. Um, yeah, my mom was decided to take more of a like a jokey side to things and every time I mentioned I got a new tattoo or something she'd just say that I should get the next one on my brain um I mean I would if I, I kind could. of love that <laughs> I kind of love that yeah you know that's that's the funny side of things but I remember at some point my dad wasn't that nice about it actually and I think at this point I've already had about like seven tattoos myself or something and at some point um they came to visit me at university and we were just sitting in a room together and he was in a funny mood and somehow the conversation steered into tattooing again and he just said something along the lines of oh 
I just think that if anyone who's got a tattoo just isn't even a human anymore. Like, oh, wow. man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, they've both changed their views very drastically okay. in the last seven years. They're both considering getting tattoos themselves now. So they've seen a different side of things. I do feel that um, in my experience, um, because my family came to religion later, so I didn't grow up in a religious household, um, but they became religious after. And um, they've had to work constantly with an artist. And that has always been a trial because I think they always wanted to give me tools to use in this world. And they saw my affinity and they saw my heart and they wanted to guide it. But it's it's been a very hard struggle for my parents to follow me in a lot of the places that I have put myself, because we're about to talk about, at least that I understand, a very, very uh, taxed learning environment. And I think the problem is, is that, you know, artists, in order for us to have any kind of depth to the work that we do, we have to put ourselves in alignment with a lot of sticky places, to put it mildly. And we have to feel things that are very rich and sometimes dangerous and for people who love us very much and who, you know, their sole goal is to keep us alive longer than them, that I think that they, um, you know, they, they don't know how to handle uh, situations where we're, we're doing the things that's necessary for what we know we have to do, but they don't they cannot validate it or give it any kind of, you know, credence or, or look at it from a different view because all they are is worried. And that's really what I, I see. And I do think it's a, it's a, you know, it's the two fears kind of not seeing each other, you know, the religious context of things is very boxed in this very, you know, this is what you do view. And, but the problem with it is, is that if you don't educate both sides, and you don't show all the sides and all the different angles to it, your, your child, I think, from my perspective, can walk a lot of different roads that just through sheer, like, like you said, I, 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 I was seeing a hypocrisy or a contradiction in what they were saying. And so for me, I couldn't, it didn't make any sense. Like it didn't make any sense with what I actually experienced and what I actually felt. And so you walk this path into a blind unknown that was full of hope and full of everything. And that, though, be it a hero's journey and a very personal, very necessary, like, you know, pardon the expression, but come to Jesus kind of calling is that that is that is a personal journey that must be took, but is so fraught with peril. And your parents probably knew that and they were just. I mean, to give them a little, you know, nudge and, and appreciation, they were probably terrified for you. And they're probably just were terrified, period. And so <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad that they see you more and that they see the other parts of this profession that are really, really cool because it is, I think, so sacred. And so it's so much a part of rejoicing in a spiritual connection between us and our audience and people so that's really cool I'm glad to hear that <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, we're about to get into it. So (laughs) the next question that I have is, did you like your time (laughs) getting into this? (laughs) How did that go? (laughs) How did that come about? (laughs) Yeah. That is a loaded question. Well, more of a loaded answer, really, than a question, to be honest, because don't get me wrong, there were good times. There were, there were lots and lots of good times, but oh, I don't know. It's the, the more I look at it now, being separated from the situation, the worse it looks. Mm-hmm. The more I feel free to speak about it, the, the worse it gets, like just <laughs> thinking about it. It's, yeah, it's, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Like, I think when I first started my apprenticeship I didn't quite do enough research about like how to choose the studio where you're going to do it Mm -hmm. Um, but then perhaps even if I did you know the studio I did work at has a great reputation they have amazing reviews on Google Mm -hmm. Um, they're the top rated studio in the city and have been for the last well funny enough seven years that I was there um <laughs> don't know if this has got anything to do with me you know but um yeah so I don't know maybe even if I did research then this still wouldn't have been enough to stop me from going there but well how could you I mean research you know like materials and that's a part of this is that the the materials have grown I mean you know I know people that when they were an apprentice, they had to go to the local library to get references, you know, like our technology has informed our access. So, you know, I think, I think part when you, when you feel like you've been um, uh, in reflection, when you know that there has been some, some places where you've been abused, it's natural for you to think like, did I do that? Like, did I, did I do that? Had I, you know, did I really, but uh, you know, (laughs) no it was a collection of things it was the time met met opportunity met everything and it just aligned to your story but this is why we're here and this is why we're telling it for other people to listen to so I guess start out by saying like okay uh how did you go about it did you have a portfolio did you always do art like did you walk in and then I'll just let you go from there (laughs) well so basically like it starts a little bit different to what most people do because like normally approach studios with a portfolio and then hope that someone's going to take you on ideally the person that you've chosen but Mm -hmm. for me um which I think added to me staying there for as long as I did was because I was made to feel like I was chosen in Mm. a way um because I met um Victoria when I was in my second year of university when I started realizing that tattooing is what I wanted to do and I was doing a little bit of research on how to get into it and obviously I came across the idea of an apprenticeship um but I still had um another year of university to finish first um but I wanted to make like kind of connections and stuff so kind of Mm -hmm. make the process a little bit easier so I was chatting to some different people and um, I've also discovered that tattoo conventions were a thing because mm-hmm. who I knew I that before I know right and um, I figured oh, that'd be a great way to get into it because there'll literally be hundreds of people from mm-hmm. the industry in one place mm-hmm. I could ask all the questions I have and see what everything's about so I reached out to a couple of them 
and one of them was the convention run by Victoria. And it was in a different town and it was in November. So I had to travel to get to it. Um, you know, being a young girl traveling in winter time in England where it's dark and I had to take three separate trains. Oh my and God. From the train station just to get to the venue all by myself and then stay there for the weekend and, you know, me. Just all thinking about your parents right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> bless you man that's awesome that's a lot (laughs) so but but I did it you know I did it and I turned up nobody expected me to turn up which you know again was something that I was like oh you know I'm I'm fucking awesome I did it um and they kind of said it too they were like oh definitely didn't think you'd turn up so good on you like that's a good sign like Mm -hmm. good quality of you know to actually turn up I was like yeah thanks you know (laughs) Being special and everything and um that whole experience actually solidified my wanting to get into it because I met all these people that my family warned me about you know the big hairy biker men mm-hmm. you know they're supposed to be hiding in alleys and doing drugs turned out to be the nicest people I have ever met everybody was so friendly and so lovely and answered all of the questions I had and have given me some of the artwork for free and, you know, connected with me on Instagram and stuff. And I just felt so welcome, mm-hmm. like I've never, ever had before in any other community, even, you know, at university where you're supposed to pick the subject that you're into and meet other people who are also picking that subject. Nah, no, not Yeah, <laughs> it isn't. So, yeah, like I've done it. It was great. And then I went back to uni for a bit, you know, and I was like, right, I need to try and direct my artwork more towards tattooing now because that is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't care what my tutors were saying. They really hated the idea of me doing anything to a tattooing. And um, I was like, well, you know, you're only here for now. When I leave, you're not going to help me anymore and tell me what to do. And I know okay. this is what I want to do. So I did it. And for like my final major project, I've decided to try and apply as much of the tattooing process into my work as I could. So I got myself a mannequin and I decided to illustrate through tattoo designs, the history of women in the industry. That's really cool. I will contact Victoria, who was the uh, woman I was talking to and ask for her help and I was I sent her all of my designs that she done turned into stencils and sent back to me and then I put the stencils on the mannequin and then I painted them on so that was pretty cool that is really cool I invited her to the degree show as well and she turned up with her husband James and they loved it they you know they again one made me feel super special was that you know they walked around the whole place looked at everyone else's work and they're like do you know Bella like this is like your work is the best here. There's no point even looking at anybody else's. This is cool stuff. Yeah. Like, okay. That's like so nice. Like you literally are a tattoo artist and have been for like however many years. And I think that that point probably would have been about 11 years she would have been tattooing. So, you know, this is like a yeah. established tattoo artist with her own studio telling me my work is awesome. And I was like over the moon. Yeah. And um, <laughs> she, topped it off with a little cherry on top by saying when you're ready to start an apprenticeship come to me first 
you have a place in my studio and it's going to wait for you until you're ready. And like at this point, I already knew it's quite hard to find one. Mm-hmm. Never mind be offered one. I was like, holy hell, like I pff, please hold right. that spot. I need like a few months to save up some money, but mm-hmm. I'll be there, you know. And that's exactly what I did. I took um, about, I think, 10 or 11 months or something after uni. I worked my ass off. I saved all the money I could and I moved. I moved town as well. Wow. Again, by myself, very determined. Like if people aren't coming with me, then they're staying behind. I'm going. Good for you. Um, and yeah, so my apprenticeship. Then started a seven year nightmare, I think. <laughs> 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 I didn't know it yet well I guess I didn't know it for a long time um but I don't know at first obviously I was really happy to just be given the opportunity to follow my dreams you know that was the main thing and I think one of the things obviously I'm for like I said I'm very determined so I was going to do whatever it takes to go through with it and I think that was a bit of a a pro and a con at the same time in the end um can I pause you know, you for, uh, I'm sorry uh, yeah. I wanted to ask uh had you any before tattooing came into your mind and you're going to university what was the goal was it only to do your art for a living or was it or was it something more specific I'm just curious well I went to study illustration so it's okay. gonna be something to do with briefs because um, I was never really good at coming up with like my own ideas per se like I always struggle someone just gave me a blank page like what do I do with this right <laughs> you know sometimes yeah. like you have an idea but like it just felt really difficult and I, I remember I did a career test at a college at some point and I asked all the questions and they're like oh illustrator brief for you I was like read about it and I was like yeah all right <laughs> yeah no, I studied the same thing. Um, so that makes a lot of sense to me because I wanted, I wanted my art to be the thing that fueled me through my professional career, but illustration yeah. was the closest thing that I could think of as far as study to go for it. And then when I found tattooing, it was like, whoa, this, yeah, is, exactly. this is the marrying of everything I need in order to make this a career. So that's why I wanted to ask. Um, I didn't mean to, you were, you were getting really thoughtful, but go <laughs> continue. <laughs> No, it makes sense though, because I I remember actually talking about this not that long ago when people asked me what I did at university and I said illustration and like the similarities between the two are quite, you know, they're very close. Like you work in a brief, someone tells you what to do. But the difference for me was that uh, most of the aspects presented to me at university were quite lonely. It was mostly freelance work where you get your stuff done and you send it off and then move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. um and also it felt very I don't know what the right word is but I suppose if you create a piece of art on a piece of paper or a canvas or something and you give it to someone you know if they could put it in the bin for you know mm-hmm. with a tattoo yeah. not so easy <laughs> true and I I feel like for me it was always very personal like I I liked the fact that I was helping somebody specifically with their personal brand and it didn't have to matter or mean anything to anyone else. And that was the thing about illustration that kind of stifled me is that my teachers were always like, you know, this has to be a little kitsch 
um, for it to sell better to other people, for more people to recognize it as a brand or something like that. It cannot be so conceptual. And I'm a very conceptual person. I like going deep. I like, I like symbolism and, and all these things that matter if you're willing to get real nerdy with it. But if, if you, if you don't have the passion towards getting that nerdy with it, then you're never going to pick up on the latent communications that I'm putting in there. And I always loved the story. Obviously we're on a podcast. So I love the stories that my clients would come with their tattoos and why they were getting them and all the different research they had done to like illustrate this very important mark that they were having me do. So it was it, like you said, the special quality of it is there is like you picked me out of anyone to like tell your story in a visual way. Like that's awesome. <laughs> it's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to love this as well. Then I've always thought that if I ever opened my own tattoo shop, I'd call it Horcrux Tattoo. Oh, I love it. Because to create a Horcrux, you have to put a piece of your soul into an item to make yourself live live forever. So that's kind of why I think about tattooing. You know, every time I do something for someone, I put a little piece of my soul into it and it goes off and lives, you know, with that person until they die in a bit longer. And that's a, a, I'm sure it goes beyond Harry Potter, but um, very keen to you. But there's also a Japanese um, version of that, of like, you create like this, I forget what it's called, but you create like this mental thing and you keep putting yourself into it. And the more you do, the more the actual entity becomes alive. So that's a, that's a, you know, that's a thing that exists. You know, I love that. That's great. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. I wish I could remember what it was called, but yeah. <laughs> well, let's get, I know. Well, I, you know, and I want, I want people to, to hear like your passion for this because that's going to um, really make them angry about what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I've had that reaction quite a lot, to be honest. Um, but yeah. So, okay. So where, where was I? Start of my apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think Victoria had her way with words. She knew what to say and when to say it to make me feel special and, well, I guess manipulate me, you know, there's no point saying anything other than what it actually is or was. Um, There was this idea that uh, the studio was basically a family, you know, like she was the mum, her husband was the dad and I was the daughter that, you know. Mm-hmm. I had I guess um and at first I guess it was nice because I I was going for a time where I wasn't really getting along with my family so much and it just felt like I found someone who first of all you know appreciates me for me who doesn't tell me I'm not human for having tattoos Mm -hmm. um who's taken me under you know what their home really because her studio was you know her home away from home and her baby and whatever and is willing to give me the time of day to well basically give me a new life I suppose Mm -hmm. you know tattooing for me isn't just a job that's for sure yeah um so yeah I don't know it just all seemed very magical and kind of blinding a little bit to all the things that were going around me I was so focused on like oh my god this is amazing I've got a great opportunity that I didn't see some things well I did see them I just didn't listen to them if you know what I mean 
Mm-hmm. Um, we call those red I, flags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like the apprenticeship was very, very, very strict. Mm-hmm. It was, I had to do everything exactly and precisely to her instructions. If I did it wrong, then all hell would break loose. Um, before I was even allowed to like start tattooing on like fake skin or whatever, I had to complete a sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And on each page, she wrote what I had to draw. And I think, to be honest, that was probably my favorite part of the apprenticeship. And the one that I think I would probably bring with me if I was to ever, you know, apprentice anyone under myself as well. I thought that was really kind of I was actually going to write that down because that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so at least on every page, you'd write like, I don't know, 10 hearts or something. And then I'd go and do whatever I wanted with that you know I had to the only thing I was told to do was to draw 10 hearts it could be any styles any sizes whatever and after each page was done we would sit down together and we'd go through why some of these would work as tattoos and some of them wouldn't and if they wouldn't why like they're too detailed or you know like the colors didn't go well together or it just wouldn't long you know last very well like like sun exposure and stuff like that so I thought that was really good I really really enjoyed that part I felt like I was learning so much Mm -hmm. I just didn't have any idea about these things so you know step one done love it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and then we moved on to tattooing fake skin and that's uh, when things started to get real not in a bad way just yet Mm -hmm. um just I I don't know I had in my head that you know tattooing is just like drawing but on skin Mm-hmm. how wrong was I <laughs> right <laughs> um, yeah it's like literally learning how to write again mm-hmm. like you have to learn how to hold the pen which way to push it to get the right line and all these kinds of things and it was just mind-blowing right. and again like you know seeing her like do it I was just mo- like mesmerized that like, this is amazing like I'm trying to do this on this stupid piece of fake skin and it's not looking anything like this and I know I can draw <laughs> I can do it yeah. What's going on? so it was a little practice and I was sitting on my bench and just tattooing all day every day amongst doing other things like reception and cleaning and watching and helping to run a tattoo convention as well that was part of my apprenticeship that's pretty um, awesome it was it was until it wasn't yeah yeah um yeah it was great it was really good stuff and I was learning like the fundamentals we started with basics like pulling you know a straight line making sure it's like in there properly and then we've done to um packing in color just black to start with silhouettes and that kind of thing you know just in case you do mess up the line and you can fill it in and nobody has to know and we moved on to text um, and I remember like that's one of my fondest memories actually was just tattooing um Bella must learn how to tattoo over and over again <laughs> <laughs> fake skin and it was great that. it was good it was good fun it was just funny and like it made good conversation in the studio as well every time a client would come in and they'd be like nosing over what well, what are you doing what are you doing and I'm like just holding it up like read it Bella must learn how to tattoo that's what I'm doing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and in that uh, yeah. way, you kind of um, learn how to be um, a performer in front of people too, yes. which is good because yes. we are, you know, in a moment we're performing our craft in front of people and very intimately. So that's good. 
yeah yeah that's that's definitely another good thing that I learned in the studio was how to talk to people and just be there for them because mm-hmm. sometimes people don't want to talk and sometimes they would they want you to listen and want you to talk back and stuff and you, you need to learn how to do that and it's not as easy as it sounds mm-hmm. especially when you don't feel like it you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yep. um you know she taught me that that's part of the experience they're not just paying for the tattoo on their skin they're paying for the whole thing they're there for the entirety of the time you know they want to feel comfortable they want you to be whoever they want you to be mm-hmm. that yeah. day you know? which I think is a good thing to a point um <laughs> well I think that once you establish a clientele then you find that you can be lesser because then they want to be there for you like their repeat yeah. business is like, no, I actually genuinely like this person. And I'm very happy with the decision that I've made to invest in their artwork. And now that I know the person behind the craft, I want to be there for them. So in moments where I'm not as strong now, I find that my clients are there for me and they allow me to kind of have a shit day. And, yeah. and I can kind of, you know, it's kind of part of the the whole experience is that they're wanting to be in a space of intimacy with somebody that matters to them. And that kind of adds to the the beauty of this, this tattoo, you know, is that you're sharing yeah. a moment very intimately with another person. And yeah. I, I don't think that they, um, at least the, my regulars, you know, the tattoos great at that point, but a lot of them, they're like, I'm not going to anyone else, but you, I love you. Like, and I'm like, but you do realize this could be done by like 10 other tattoo artists that I could recommend in the same area. And they're like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I want to come to you, you know? That's awesome. It's a very new concept to me actually, because yeah. of the way um the studio was like, mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing. Like we're there for them. They're not here for us. to a very very strong degree like if I was having a bad day it doesn't matter I need to sort myself out I can't even tell anybody show anybody any sign of weakness or anything like that um hard yeah it was it was um yeah I guess (laughs) you got treated like a dude that's how a lot of guys feel shut up stop crying get back to work yeah yeah (laughs) it's funny you should say that because I've noticed um that the dudes got treated better than me oh and any other girls that were in the studio and I don't mean like clients obviously clients were treated mostly with great respect um but um the apprentice apprentices not so much and I've noticed especially recently that the girl ones were treated a lot worse than the men gotcha. which is a good thing considering that you know obviously the owner is a is a woman but who knows who knows but I don't know I suppose okay first yeah. <laughs> well you probably handled the treatment a lot worse um because I think there's a difference between how you appeal to men and women I think men are yeah. a lot easier to say shut up get yeah. back to work and whereas women are like what <laughs> like, <laughs> I I, I the, this is I gotta push through a lot of different shit in order to do that and I think guys kind of you know they they thrive in those kind of pressure zones at least that I can tell I've never been a man Um, but I do think that in, um, that kind of like pressure, um, 
you know, we're trudging into war. We've got to be there for each other. We have to hang our emotionality. I think that's a lot more of what they're kind of accustomed to, which again, like your experience with like the religion and the conflict is a conflict, right? Like, cause you're like, I'm supposed to hang my emotions, but I'm supposed to be really in tune with my clients. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, like, how am I supposed to turn off and then turn on all at the same time? Like, that's really hard. (laughs) That's terrible. Yeah. So I I can understand that. (laughs) (laughs) I think what I remember the first time I went, it was to do with a client. And I had to put everything aside just to make sure that he was happy. And I remember thinking to myself, like, hold on a minute, what the fuck is going on here right now? But I didn't get a chance to like process it and kind of respond because basically I was already tattooing on people at this point. Um, but very, very early on, this is like the first kind of 10 tattoos. Mm. Um, and people weren't paying me at this point. This was all for free. It was all still very much fresh practice and everything, which is great. All down for it as long as I get to tattoo. Right. And this guy was very keen on letting me practice on him. He was about the same age as me. And um, when I finished the tattoo, he was he was happy with it and he wanted to pay. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, this is completely free. Like, right. I'm still practicing. You know, you don't have to pay whatsoever. Like, it's fine. You know, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I, I really want to, like, pay you because you've done a good job and I'm really happy with it. I was like, honestly, don't worry about it. Like, if you like, maybe we can do another tattoo at some point or something. It's fine. Like, you know, tipping is also not really much of a thing in England. So, oh, okay. Good to know. Um, it's, it was just, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. He was very insistent, though. And uh, Victoria was there the whole time. She was listening to this awkward conversation I was having. And he said, um, okay, well, why don't you let me take you out for a drink then? Mm-hmm. And say thank you. And I was just like, oh no honestly that's fine like I'm okay (laughs) um this is kind of my world right now I can't do that (laughs) (laughs) I'm focused (laughs) and I sort of gave Victoria a look as if to help me get me out of this I don't want to go for a drink but it took the very opposite direction and she just said oh no you should definitely go for a drink with this guy like it's a it's an English custom you can't say no because it's rude Mm. and I was like oh oh (laughs) like I've lived in England for about however many years at this point at least 10 or something I've never heard of this (laughs) you're not supposed to go out for drinks with men just because they wanted to pay you for something for a service right? <laughs> and and I was just like what is happening and these guys looking as hopeful as ever right because now right. my boss is telling me to go out for a drink with him what am I gonna do but like no dude thank you I'm not interested I just want to go on with my job like yeah. this is getting personal now yeah but I didn't have it in me and I was just like oh okay <laughs> great <laughs> so yeah I, I agreed and, and I had to go and it was the most awkward thing I've ever done I'm pretty sure like I turned up and it was just awful like I didn't want to be there and he must have known I didn't want to be there but he just didn't care mm-hmm. he just got his drinks and we sat there and he kept staring at me and talking to me and I was just like mm-hmm, yeah I was texting my friend on the table like can you like come to this place 
and pretend we bumped into each other and sit with me at least please <laughs> and so that was great and it just kept getting more creepy he insisted on like walking me home and stuff it's like dude I don't want you to know where I live like I'm right. good and then finally he left and I was just like what has just happened like why did I do this right yeah and I went back to work the next day and I was just like it was fucking awful I don't please don't ever make me do that again right like if they want to pay I'll fucking take the money rather than go out for drinks with random men I'm not interested in like what is this what was her reply did she have any kind of retort or defense or anything (laughs) I just found it quite funny to be honest I think she was just like it's just you know you don't know anybody here so I thought it'd be good for you to get to know some people and I was like yeah maybe on my own own terms yeah obviously I didn't say that because again like I was pretty ridden with anxiety and depression and whatnot at this point um so I was just like yeah okay yeah I get that like again she kind of made it sound like she was caring for me so in a way Mm. I was just like oh I guess that's a nice thing to do but maybe not let's not do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) like I'm good (laughs) yeah and then oh but this is the thing she was very black and white there was even really good things said from her or really really bad things um and I remember the first bad thing said to me like it was yesterday I was doing probably my second or third tattoo ever on a person and it was an out no a silhouette of a cat and I was so nervous because this was the first person that wasn't um a friend of mine this was just an actual customer that came to the studio before and got tattooed by her so a a real client you know yeah getting serious (laughs) not my mate that's it and um and I was tattooing her and the way that I was supposed to do it is I do the outline and you're only supposed to break lines at points of direction change mm-hmm. however because of the shape of the cat and there was a really really long line that went from the tail all the way to the head and you know it doesn't seem like much but when you first start out it's a long line to pull yeah and about halfway through I stopped because I kind of felt my hands like giving in and it was going to wiggle like I knew yeah. it was going to so I stopped and didn't think much of it I was just like well I thought about it I could feel it so it's better not to fuck up the tattoo and just do it a little bit different right yeah it was not (laughs) um I finished the tattoo the girl was absolutely amazed by it she loved it so much she even gave me a tip which she didn't have to um and then she left and Victoria (laughs) (laughs) um sat down with me and she was like what the hell was that Mm-hmm. like what are you talking about what do you mean like I did a tattoo like I know it wasn't perfect but it's like you know tattoo number three um like which bit and she's like well the line like you're supposed to pull the whole line you know what we talked about and I was like oh yeah well I just I felt like my line was going to wiggle so I would rather not wiggle the line and you know do the line in two goes right then make a mistake and she's like oh well if you think your line's gonna wiggle then maybe you shouldn't be tattooing then Whoa. <laughs> I was like what well what and, the hell? and that's when the abuse really starts because um when uh, when you have pleased 
the person that, and you get that reward of, you know, doing a good job and the person who you were doing it for is satisfied. And then on the back end, you're slapped. It's, it's like, it's like hitting a dog that's just sat for you. You know, like you asked it to sit, it sat, it's expecting a treat and you just slapped it. Like that's, yeah. that's really awful. <laughs> that, was, that was a dark moment. I was just so shocked. This was, I think literally the first time that I've seen that side of her. Like she is very blonde. She's always been very straightforward and very kind of like, this is what it is. But this was like, you know, I'm just starting out. Like you crushing my dreams here. Yeah. Like literally crushing my dreams. Like I've done one thing, not wrong. Mm-hmm. Now looking at it, it wasn't the wrong thing to do because I didn't make a mistake. Yep. I've just done something slightly differently. And you're telling me because I've done it differently, maybe I shouldn't be doing it at all. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Right. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, I obviously I didn't think about it like that then I was just like oh shit maybe I shouldn't be tattooing you were crushed and, yeah it was devastating and then every, you know going into all the other tattoos I kept thinking oh my god oh my god oh my god I must do it like this I must do it like this and even when I could feel my hand going into that wiggle stage again I, I was I had to push through it because I knew that if I didn't I'd get in trouble oh man so that was pretty hard to deal with. So um, your anxiety grew <laughs> instead of yeah. gotten less. Wow. Massively. Honestly, oh, I was in a really, really bad way for, I don't know. I think I started therapy like about four years ago. So it was probably about three years into me working there. Right. Um. So there was... Well, I guess three years of trying to deal with it on my own and for it to keep getting worse and worse constantly. Wow. Um, but, you know, it's all right. I've done it. I've come out three years. Well, yeah, I was in therapy for three years. So I guess three years later, I came out of it stronger than ever. And now I can see all these things that were done to me and I can recognize them and yeah. learn from them and move on. But it's just, I think about it and it makes me angry, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah. Because I mean, obviously you had to, um, you know, you, you had to turn to another professional to get you through it. And, you know, that's, it's rough. I mean, I, I admit there was, there was moments within my, um, the only successful apprenticeship that I had where I taught somebody and my apprentice was going through major, 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 um, depression, anxiety, all of these things during her time. And I don't think I helped. I, I, I wanted to, uh, I really wanted to, but at one point she was just so, um, lost and, and looking to me. And at one point I had to tell her, I said, look, dude, this is, this is above what I can give you. I am not, I'm not a professional, like mental health expert. I said, but I am here for you. I do love you. And I am, I want you to know, you can take a break. Like none of that. I mean, I listened to your story and her apprenticeship was not like, I think if anything, it wasn't as structured. I think she would have thrived more had I just like cracked the whip a lot more. She probably did better within that space, but I was just so like, it'll come. It'll like, you know, like it's fine. Find your own way. And she's like, no bitch, I need direction. Um, (laughs) Like I'm, I'm floundering here. 
And I'm like, no, it's cool. You know, like your clients love you. They're here for your journey. Like you're not messing up as bad as you think you are. But I think that really freaked her out because it was like, she wasn't meeting what she expected. And what I kept telling her is like, it takes time. Like it takes a lot of time for you to meet those expectations. And you're probably not going to meet them because what you find out in a world of being an artist is you're always striving for something. You have to fall in love with the journey and with the struggle and with the push and just falling into something that is pure emotion, pure action, pure meditation, and just riding that wave. And there's, there's no, nothing I can do. It's basically like learning to surf. There's nothing I can do from the shore to help you manage that wave. Like you got to feel it. And I just told her, I was like, it's not a, like, I kept reassuring her. It's not a failure to pause. It's not a failure to get a therapist. It's not a failure to do any of these things that you need to do for yourself. Um, but I think that for her, you know, because I was her new mentor, um, she was seeking a lot of validation from me, which, you know, on my end, I was just like, why are you putting so much into me? I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm just one per, you know, like, (laughs) I'm just some asshole who said that they teach you something and I'm going to, and I already told you, I only know what I know. And I'm not going to be able to give you all of it, but it, it goes both ways. You know, like, I think it's just, you know, when you're on this path that, like you said, your tattooing isn't like anything like drawing. It has this whole other, like, you know, and you make all these assumptions about what it's going to be. And then you like get into it and you're really struggling. You're like, holy shit, this is, this is worlds different than anything I thought it would be. And you're brought back to your knees again. And you're like starting from a place you didn't think that you were starting from. And it's so humbling in itself that it's like, you're raw. You're just, you're raw in every way. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. That's exactly what it's like. And I think that's kind of where you need like the balance because obviously your mentors there to kind of guide you through the process and be there for you when you need them. But like career wise mostly you know like mm-hmm. with the craft and everything like yeah I don't know like as a human being obviously you're going to be for them too like if they're struggling you can listen but yeah as far as it goes but yeah I'm certainly making an effort to not make it any worse though <laughs> that's for sure well and as you said like the whole kind of family dynamic it's very similar to cults and how cults start you know like they you know, they kind of prey on like this disconnect of a family unit. And then they, they step into that space and become a new family. And that's how they kind of, they hook you is that now you're untethered from your, your foundation, like the people who raised you and they're offering a, a new sanctuary. So now you've already disconnected over here. And if you are to realize the, the problems here, where are you? You're, you're lost. Then, then you have no roots. Now you have nothing to tether you to anything and you're on your own truly. So it's really scary. So I, I'm hearing you. (laughs) That's rough girl. (laughs) Which actually brings me to one of the other things that I remember the most, um, about what's happened in the apprenticeship. Um, well, See, I keep saying apprenticeship. I feel like my whole experience and my whole time when I was in the studio, even though I wasn't an apprentice anymore, I was still an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, but I'll get to why in a minute more because I really want to tell you about this because I feel like this is something that some other people might come across as well. And if they see that happen, they need to go straight away because basically I've already started making some money. I was um I think probably about maybe like two or three years into like actual tattooings, not an apprentice technically. And um, we had a guest artist there for a few days. Um, she was someone that we know. She's kind of more like a friend of a friend. Um, she's about my age too, which is quite nice to see because uh, Victoria is a bit older than me. Um, so it was nice to have someone there, similar age, to kind of just talk to and see, you know, what their perspective on tattooing is and how they do it and that kind of thing. And it was just nice. And I remember one of the days she was there um Victoria was sorting out the money at the end of the week and I'm not saying she took it from me or anything but my money was down by about 50 pounds or so and I was just like didn't think any I never would say that she was stealing from me or anything like that she's done on purpose but I just felt like I should mention something because you know it's 50 pounds that I made so great can I have it please so I just sort of quietly mentioned to her um and I was just like oh look Victoria like I'm really sorry to bring this up but um there's just you know there's supposed to be this much but there's only this much so like would it be okay if I got the rest of the money like look I can show you that it's all here like this is what you've just given me like 10 seconds ago right and she was just like yeah here it is and I was like okay I mean what happened and uh, I was just like oh thank you you know and then we kind of finished the day and it was all okay and then the guest artist went home and all hell broke loose oh my god she started screaming at me like how dare I bring this up when there's another person in the studio making her look like she's a thief like she's stealing money from me taking advantage of me I should not have said anything until everybody's gone home. And even then I probably shouldn't have said anything because this is just not something that happens. Like there's no way that she would have done anything unless to me and how dare I even suggest that she would take money from me. And I was so confused. I was like, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. I just like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't know, like obviously if this happens next time, I'll wait for everybody to go home like I'm really sorry <laughs> I didn't mean for it to come right. across like that at all but I'm just making felt... a leap I thought it was an honest <laughs> mistake <laughs> yeah like I thought you know like I just want to make sure that it's right for the books as well because if you wrote one number down but you only have this amount then it's not going to be right and I don't want you to like get in trouble or whatever right. and she was having none of it she kept screaming at me she's telling me to get out of the fucking shop like never want to see you again this that and the other and I was just like I was crying my eyes out I was like Aww. what the hell has just happened like have I just ruined my chances to do anything in the tattoo world now like am I done for like what's going on and I was apologizing to her like profusely I was like I'm so sorry like please forgive me like I didn't mean for it to be like this like can you try and understand like I didn't mean for it to be like this I've never said anything like that before I've never done anything like that before I just over 50 know- pounds too like I I know the conversion isn't, you know, like it's in your favor right now between US dollars, but that's not a lot of money for what we make. It's just enough yeah. to be like, hey, 
Yeah. You know, I see a mistake. It's, it's a, a clear enough mistake, but it's not anywhere near what we can make, you know, like this is ridiculous. End of the world, honestly. And it felt like it to me too. I was, you know, I left the shop. I don't know where to go. I, I was just, I was still crying. I ended up going to like around the back of the shop. There was a car park and stuff where nobody could see me. And I was just sat on the floor, just crying. Just oh, my yeah. phone. I was like, can you come get me? I don't know what to do. And uh, yeah, he came to pick me up and I went home and obviously cried a bit more because why not? Mm-hmm. And I texted her and I said the same things again. I was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for it to come across like that. Like you can, you can have, you know, that money. I don't mind about the money. It's not about that at all anymore. Like, I don't care. Like, please just don't fire me, blah, 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 this and that. And she didn't respond to me for hours. Um, and then I think, I can't remember exactly what she said in the text, but it was probably something along the lines of, oh, you fucked up majorly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't see you tomorrow. That would be fine by me, blah, 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 this. And I was like, oh, okay. But I guess it's not technically a no, so I'm still going to turn up. Yeah. And yeah. to my surprise, when I did turn up, it was like nothing had happened. Oh, she was wow. so good at ending like none of it has happened like it was just another day and I was just like brilliant that's good for me because I can just crack on right then it'll be fine (laughs) I should have been like no let's never go back to that place yeah I was determined to make it whatever happens you know but she made you feel like you couldn't communicate with her and yeah so it's better just to be in silence and just keep your head down than anything so many times when the money at the end of the week was wrong and I didn't say anything just in case it happened again and that was my last kind of stroke and I'd get fired was it always in your deficit and in her favor yeah oh man yeah Yeah, because if it was an earnest mistake and she was just bad at math every once in a while it would have at least given you 50 pounds extra This is the thing though, like I don't, I'm not saying that she was stealing intentionally or anything, um, because I do, odds are that's the case, (laughs) you don't always consistently undercut someone. No, I know, but let me explain how the money (laughs) works, and then you might have an idea, like, she is bad at math, I'm just going to put out there, she is, she's fucking terrible, and she always admits it too, which always made me be like you literally counted my money right now please don't say that yeah (laughs) but basically the whole system is absolutely archaic like when people come in and book um they take 50% deposit it's always cash we don't we didn't take bank transfers nothing like that um always cash so when they come in they put the 50% down and we fill out two little appointment cards exact copies of each other and one we give to them, so they bring it back with them to the appointment, so we know how much they've got left. And the other one we keep, and we literally clip the money onto that card with a bulldog clip, mm-hmm. and put it in a box. And it then sounds at- awfully convenient for abusive behavior, if you ask me. Oh yes, <laughs> there's so many parts of this situation that was mostly the main reason why I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, basically, so what would happen is you know the clip sometimes comes off oh yeah and the money goes somewhere else or um oh yeah I'd never mentioned actually when I started my apprenticeship I was apprentice number seven Mm. um 
and there was another six after me as well. So people coming in and out of the studio constantly dealing with the money. Um, oh yeah, another thing, which I probably should have mentioned at the beginning. Um, when I first started working there, I had to change my name because my name was the same as hers. And oh. she didn't want to be uh, referred to as the old Victoria or the bigger Victoria or the Victoria, whatever, that wasn't just Victoria. So actually that meant that I had to either be called number seven as the seventh apprentice or I'd get to choose my own name, luckily, because some other people after me didn't get that um, choice. Seven's um, so a great I, number, though. <laughs> it is. It is but, but I, I like mean, Bella. <laughs> it's like the idea of being referred to as a number. Right. Um, <laughs> it was a little too far. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Just a little bit. Um, my therapist hated it so much oh I'll bet (laughs) I mean I've kind of like adopted the name now like I'm just Bella now like that's just me um but yeah uh, the money thing so because there were so many people coming in and out of the studio working on reception and dealing with these monies and having to learn that system over and over again making sure all the details are correct because there's only one way to obviously do it right Mm -hmm. um they kept making mistakes so uh-huh. the cards would have the wrong dates on them or they'd have the wrong amount on them. And her pure laziness, I think, basically meant that if she couldn't see it right in front of her, then it wasn't there. And I've, I mean, like I said, to begin with, I didn't say anything because I just didn't want to have to deal with that situation again. But right. as the years went on and it kept happening over and over again, and she started saying more to me that, oh, well, the money's missing again and I can't afford to keep taking the loss. So it's your turn this time. And <laughs> I'd just be like, but this is, we, we've got a 50-50 commission split here. So you're telling me that with my 50% that I give you and your 100% that you make for yourself, you can't afford to lose one of my deposits. What makes you think that I can? Right, right. <laughs> and he was just like well it's just not fair like I can't keep doing this I can't keep doing this and I was like but this is your system right You're the boss. can we can we talk about another system that might work for everybody uh, well I did have that conversation very recently actually it was this year in fact and mm-hmm. um, because it got to the point where I just got sick of it I was like look like I was pretty confident in myself at this point and I was like ready to stand up for myself and I was like the house going on like I keep you keep taking this money from me and I feel like I'm not getting paid for the work that I do because right. it's a 50-50 split so if the deposit goes missing that's the 50% and that's the money they tell me I'm not getting mm-hmm. so sometimes I do a full day sitting where I'm supposed to get 200 pounds and I don't because it's gone somewhere now a question in the UK do you guys have business insurance um I don't know we see <laughs> Um, that is something that typically speaking, if money keeps going missing or if something happens to your business, that is a problem like that. And you need to, you can make a claim to your insurance company and you can say like this, this happens. So, uh, she, she might've been screwing you on a twofold account because if she never, she never carried business insurance, then she's saving money, uh, not insuring her business. And then mm. making you account for the losses that 
she as the business should be assuming because that's not on you. You are defaulting to a system that her as the business has created and the business is insured, or at least it should be. Um, so that should have been a claim that you should have easily in the future and like easily been able to say, well, what about your business insurance? Can't, I mean, you're losing money. We don't know. We don't know if it's on my account or your account, but I can tell you it's the system that is pretty flawed. I didn't create the system. You taught it to me. Yeah. This, this sounds a lot like it's on this business as something to take as a hit. And if you can't keep doing it, that's fine. You're hopefully already paying for business insurance, aren't you? (laughs) And then you just, that's an interesting point. Yeah. exactly how that conversation would go because it's very similar to the conversation I did actually have with yeah. her <laughs> when I got sick of it I sort of I took it aside and I was just like oh I should probably mention at this point we had two apprentices at the studio who were actually getting paid through a government scheme um the government was doing a um it was called like a kickstarter scheme and it was to um help out people between the ages of like 18 and 24 who were on um, universal credit which is like a benefit system to give them uh, experience and things to put on their cvs and kind of help them into different kinds of jobs and stuff so if a business signed up to it then uh, the government would basically pay back the minimum wages for these people which is amazing right so she's getting a government credit for having these people in the studio yeah, because she'd also get a bonus on top mm-hmm. of actually getting paid back for the for these people. Oh, yeah. And it's a lovely op ed, too, for, you know, you to shout out and say, oh, look at the community effort that our business is doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's kind of started when it like I was just a bit like, well, hang on a minute, because I know you're getting all this extra money and you still turn around and telling me you can't afford to pay me for the work I've done. Mm-hmm. So I was just like look Victoria I just want to talk to you about this situation because I just don't feel like it's fair that it's either you or myself losing the money when it goes missing yeah um you know we've got all these new people coming in and out and you know they're probably making mistakes and the money does get misplaced I'm not saying anyone's stealing or anything like that like people do make mistakes and that's fine but I just don't feel like it's fair that you know you tax me yeah which you're probably already taxed because you're you're paying taxes yeah. To a government that is then paying <laughs> yeah. for, for her and these people to be in the shop, which. Yeah. 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 That's, so that's, like, that's a good way to breed resentment. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, so how, you know, how comes you don't take it out of their paychecks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're it out of yours, out of mine, but yeah. they just keep on going and it's fine. They keep getting paid. And I know it's not quite as much as we get paid, but it just doesn't seem fair. And she was like, well, yeah, it's not fair. You know, they make hardly anything. So I can't take it from them. I was like, well, you shouldn't be taking it from anyone. Like, this is your business, you know? And like, I do, I honestly think that maybe we could do something about how the money, money gets handled in the system. Maybe we could update it a little bit or something. And also at this point, I insisted on taking some bank transfer deposit for myself as well because I um, went on TikTok and uh, it was quite popular on there actually and people started coming to me from different countries you know it was mind-blowing they couldn't pop in with a cash deposit basically so we had to do it right and she could say no um like she has done before because 
she'd literally be saying no to hundreds and hundreds of pounds mm-hmm. um, so I said you know we've been doing that a little bit so why don't we just do that a little bit more and then there's not so much cash lying around and getting lost here and there or I don't know maybe we could do just I don't know something else anything we can sit yeah. down and think about it together if you like and come up with an idea she's just like no you know I've had this system for years and years and it's worked so far and so far and you know and I was like but it isn't working <laughs> like, losing hundreds of pounds like sometimes every week mm-hmm. I don't think that's you know a system that works so well it's just like that like my other tattoo friends have the same problem I was like well they have hundreds of pounds money losing as well be like well then go to them and ask them to pay your your credit then or like you know like oh they have the same problems yeah (laughs) so then I was just like okay this is not gonna go well anyway so my last kind of thing that I suggested to her was like okay that's fine you know this is your shop you can run it how you want to run it you're you're the boss literally but is there any way that maybe I can handle my own money Mm -hmm. like you know, then I can make sure that all the cards say the right thing. Like, we're still going to do your system. It's just going to go through me. When someone comes in at the end of the day, maybe I can go into the box and check all the cards and everything and then just keep them somewhere where they don't get lost and sort it out at the end of the week. And I'll give you my half and keep my half. So like, no, I can't have you have your own money. And I was like, say that sentence again, but slowly. Right. <laughs> so I can hear it. <laughs> Whoa. It's like, okay well obviously this is not getting anywhere at this point and that kind of started settling the idea of me actually leaving this place because I was like I'm supposed to be self-employed here I don't even get to hold my own money yeah I don't you know there was nothing self-employed about that place I didn't get to choose what hours I worked what days I worked what holidays I could take none of that absolutely nothing at all um and then what really really put the nail in the coffin was over the next few days I noticed that the apprentices started acting a little bit funny with me um so basically I was pretty much fully booked every single day so uh, they would go out and get us lunch mm-hmm. and I was said to them I was like oh would you mind grabbing me this and you can get something yourself as well I've got money in my purse like always and one of them was just like uh oh no I'm not going now I might be going later and I was like what that's not how it works yeah (laughs) I'm I'm saying this now because I'm about to have a break with my client so I need to eat like soup but I thought that was really odd and more odd was the fact that Victoria didn't say anything normally she'd be like uh excuse me what are you doing you've been asked to do something so do it but she didn't and I was just a bit like "Mm, that's interesting okay and then the same thing happened the following day I asked another apprentice to go and get me something and I said the money was in my purse and she's like, oh, I can't do that. And I was like, okay, interesting. But I finished with my client and then I went to prep for the next client. He came into the little room that we were in when I was making the stencils and he was like, oh, look, Bella, I'm really, really sorry. Like, I don't mind getting you lunch, but I'm literally not allowed to. I was like, what do you mean you're not allowed to? Well, Victoria said that I can't touch your purse. I can't, I can't touch her money or anything. Like, I'm just not allowed to. And I was like, what the hell? So then I spoke, spoke about um, that with the other apprentice too. Um, 
basically Victoria had two very different relationships with these two apprentices one of them she was not keen on at all she treated him like a piece of garbage the other one she was very keen on though she liked him and let him get away with everything so I pulled him aside I was like what's going on and he was like oh Victoria had a chat with us the other day and just said basically that like she doesn't want us to touch anything to do with your money just for our own protection and I was like, what do you mean for your own protection? It's like, oh, dude, I don't know. I'm really sorry. Like, I don't want to have any bad blood between us. Like, but I'm just, I don't want to get in trouble. So I just can't do it. I'm really sorry. Wow. And I was like, okay. And Victoria wasn't there for a couple of days. So I couldn't speak to her about it. But she was back the next day after that. And um, I saw, I waited until official clients were not in the building, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. And um, we were having lunch and literally before I even had a chance to say anything, she just said, oh, Bella, I think we need to have a chat. And I was like, well, this is taking an interesting turn. Yeah. I was like, yes, we do need to have a chat. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, apprentice number one said that you spoke to him about this and just you weren't happy about something. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't understand why they're not allowed to touch my money. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you did say to me the other day that you think the apprentice is stealing money from you. So I said to them, they're not allowed to touch any of it because just in case like something happens, it goes missing and you start making accusations. I was like, excuse me? Well, this is halfway through. We know we were just starting to get good with this story. That's why we're going to need you diary listeners to join us back next week for the conclusion of Bella's Black Box story. The Black Box series is in response to many stories that are hard to tell and that people withhold telling for fear of reprisal. We think these stories must be told. Recover the wreckage of lived experiences and pick through the rubble so that the information found can better serve the future. If you have such a story in your professional journey, please reach out to theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. Thank you to our storytellers, and thanks, as always, to our listeners.